How do you feel about this week? Do you rent that yacht? No, no, I own it. That's how I feel about this weekend. And I'm not being cocky. I'm talking straight commerce with you. I know these teams better than they know themselves. I'm going 12 for 12 this weekend, and that includes the Monday night parlay. Wow. Should we believe him? What do you think, Walter? I don't believe him. You cannot afford not to. <laughs> no, I can afford it. Can you? <laughs> Honest question, Mr. Novin. Can you? Hell, can anyone, for that matter? Afford to lose as much as a man like you needs to bet to actually feel a win. Winning's a funny thing. It's one of those rare commodities on earth that money cannot buy. They come and go Blame it on the weather Or something in the wind Blame it on whatever It might have been You can say you know what happened You can say So long. So long. So long. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that scene from a movie called Two for the Money. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, how, can, how can you afford to lose the amount of money that you have to bet to feel a win, to make you feel alive? You know what? I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about all this stuff today. Uh, but you know what? The the government, the Biden administration is doing anything they can to just get a win. They don't matter what it, it doesn't matter what it costs. They just have to get a win. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act, spend spend uh, almost a trillion dollars so you can get a win has no chance of, of reducing inflation. Uh, then we then we go to the uh, uh, forgiving student loans, which we're going to talk about, talk about uh, later in the show. You know what? Doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. Really not going to help anybody. But it's really not going to help anybody from the standpoint of of making their lives making their lives change. They're all waiting for their check. They're all waiting for their check, but they're not going to get a check. It's just going to reduce their balance on a loan they were never going to pay off anyway. But it's a win. Then there's of course amnesty. We're just going to let we're just going to let illegal aliens be uh, be here legally. Uh, well, and maybe you haven't even heard about this, but there's another win. There's another win. We don't care what it does to our country. We don't care what the what the cost of it is. We just need a win. We need a win so bad so we can feel alive. That song was so long from Firefall from uh, I don't know 1979 or uh, somewhere somewhere there about. You know what? You can you can blame it on whatever. You can blame it on the weather. You can blame it on whatever. But you know it's it's. Uh, I'm just saying so long. Um, and I think about and I think about this. I got a uh, somebody somebody tweeted me uh, after last week's show, uh, making reference to the lies I told about the FBI and how I'm a commie hunter now. I'm I'm uh, I'm Joe McCarthy now. Um, you know what? 
the facts that we went over last week about the FBI setting up Gretchen Whitmer's supposed uh, kidnapping and and uh, and killing that was real. That was testimony in court by people involved in it. That wasn't that wasn't just spreading lies. The things that the that the Democrats do. We're not just spreading lies out there. And and I think about uh, I, I'm not covering this on the show today, but um, everybody's talking about uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's interview with Joe Rogan. And you know what? Hey, you know, what? Uh, the the FBI came to us and told us that uh, that there was some Russian. Uh, they were going to dump a bunch of misinformation. And so, uh, you know, we were we were just, hey, the FBI called us. You know what? You can blame it on the FBI, but I just don't buy it. I'm going to call BS on that. I'm going to call BS on all this stuff that everybody's looking at. And we're going to talk about a comment, a comment that, uh, that uh, Fauci made this week as well. That is the same, same thing. Hey, you know what? Uh, uh, the FBI told us to, to uh, squelch this and not let this, this Hunter Biden uh, story get around. But that's not really the whole thing, is, is it? Zuckerberg put in millions and millions and millions of dollars from his nonprofit into drop boxes and he was a whole lot more involved in in making sure that Trump didn't win the election and when he says well you know what it's really unfortunate but the FBI told us to not to not look at it and you can blame you can blame it on the FBI but you're you're just you're just you're just an evil person Mark Zuckerberg and there's a problem there we're going to talk about all that and a whole bunch more. But before I go any further, let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, Darren Knight, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to find out about real estate financing, uh, whether it's to uh, refinance a piece of property that you own, whether it's purchasing a piece of property that you already uh, that you that you'd like to own, or whether it's uh, check out one of those reverse mortgage things for people over sixty-two, that is really, which which is really a a really cool product um, to help you give you flexibility in your in your uh, in your retirement years with your money, especially in these un in these times of unsurety. If you want to, if you want to talk to me, if you don't, but you want to talk about that, but you don't want to get on the phone, uh, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo that'll take you to my lending page. Uh, put in as much information as you want want to give me. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear, hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If you're thinking about, uh, if you're thinking about buying a piece of property or refinancing a piece of property that's in California or Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, New Mexico, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, uh, New Hampshire, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, or Montana. I think that's all of them. Um, any, any of those States I'm licensed to do business in. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking about, uh, Hey, it's time to say so long to California, but I mean, after all you're, uh, we're not going to be able to buy, uh, gas powered cars here in another 13 years. So, you know, if you've, if you heard about that, I'm not, I'm not going to cover that in detail today. Um, but you know what, Hey, we don't get to buy gas cars. Nobody, no, Hey, there, there's a win for the environmental people right before the, uh, 
right before the midterms. But what's the impact of that? Hmm. Does that mean mechanics are going to be out of work? That means more oil people that work for oil companies. That means gas stations are not going to be, oh, wait, we got to have gas stations. We're going to have cars around, but we're going to phase those out. I had somebody, somebody send me an email about putting a charging station at one of my commercial properties. And he said, well, you know what? A lot of people find that, uh, you know, they, they recoup 85 to 90% in the first year of, of their installation costs. And I said, wait, 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 you want to put a charging station at my commercial property and I have to pay for it? Yeah, but you, but you make, make most of it back in the first year. Okay, I can deal with that. But you know, uh, he goes, and it makes the value of your property go up. It makes the value of my property go up. How does that work? Does that, uh, does that have, does that, are we ignoring the fact that it takes up valuable real estate in my parking lot? So there's just, there's just, there's just a, an illusion of what's, of what's real anymore. It's just an illusion, but we'll talk about all that stuff as we go on. Uh, if you find, if any, you want any part repeated on the show or you, or you missed it, you uh, missed it on the radio, go to stay on net. go to the podcast page. And you can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download to your device. Uh, I record Friday mornings. It uploads on Friday afternoons, and it'll download uh, shortly thereafter to your device, your phone, or your computer, whatever you listen to podcasts on. And uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, okay, so let's talk about what's going on. After more than 50 years of so-called public service, the Lord God, Tony Fauci, will resign in December as Biden's chief medical advisor. And the crowd goes wild. At the same time, he'll step down as director of NIH's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a position he's held since 1984. Or as the Washington Post reported, the nation's preeminent infectious disease expert who achieved unprecedented fame while enduring withering political attacks as the face of the coronavirus pandemic response under two presidents plans to step down in December after more than a half a century of public service. Yes, he's been such a, such a good public servant, and we all know the implications of that, but we'll talk about that in a few seconds. Also from the Washington Post story, Fauci's tenure as director of the Infectious Diseases Institute made him an advisor to seven presidents and put him on the front lines of every modern-day scourge, including AIDS, the 2001 anthrax scares, Ebola, Zika, and, of course, the coronavirus pandemic. Of course, we don't, we don't want to talk about um, all the issues that went on with, with Fauci during AIDS and realize that uh, Fauci has a, has a battle plan out there where he, he, uh, he writes up a paper saying how you know, he develop, he, they, they develop a, a drug that works or doesn't work. He writes a, a medical uh, a medical paper uh, that makes it seem like it would be ridiculous not to allow the public to have this drug, and it easily gets passed through through uh, uh, FDA. And then he makes a ton of money on the on the drugs and the the uh, the patent on the drugs. Uh, case in point, AZT, which if you've seen the movie uh, Dallas Buyers Club, or if you just remember living through the eighties. When uh, when the AIDS pandemic was just coming out, or in the '90s when when when, um, when AZT was going on, and they were they were putting a halt to certain drugs that were that were uh, find, that they were finding effective on uh, for AIDS AIDS patients, and 
they were making them illegal to distribute in the United States, and people were going across to Mexico um, to get them. And meanwhile, they're pushing AZT, which was actually killing killing uh, more AIDS, pa- AIDS patients than it was doing any good. But Fauci was raking in the bucks on that. During nearly four decades, Fauci led the agency. It grew from a little-known institute with $350 million and annual budget to a globally recognized powerhouse and a budget exceeding $6 billion. Is that a good thing? And what do we do with all, and what do they do with all that money? Some of it was sent to Wuhan, which we'll talk about in a minute. Some of it was sent to Africa to do cruel experiments on beagle puppies. That's not a conspiracy, folks. That's not lies. That's not uh, hunting. uh, That's not commie hunter Joe McCarthy. That's real. That's real. They were breeding, they were breeding, uh, beagles in uh tanzania and uh, using them for for experiments on uh, fauci's uh fauci's new uh um allergy drugs and uh and uh, the taxpayers uh granted 1.8 million dollars to support this the humane society is now rescuing 4000 beagles right now and asking americans to adopt them google it Google it. I think there's a waiting list now. So there's got more people that want to adopt these things than, than these dogs than, than they have. Um, most of the media is using Fauci's retirement announcement as an opportunity to dish out loads of undeserved praise. Case in point, Rachel Maddow. Dr. Anthony Fauci is a singular figure in American history and in American public service. There has never been anyone else like him and there never will be again. Aren't we all singular figures in American history? There will never be another, there'll never be someone else like Ed Hoffman, and there never has been before. And of course, my, my, some of my relatives look kind of like me, and, but most of them aren't, most of them aren't quite as uh, outspoken or uh, uh, unfiltered or with no, with no volume controls. Ask my sister in Pennsylvania. Um, So it's just amazing. Hey, there'll be enough, there'll never be another person like, Anthony Fauci, and there never has been, and there never will be. I think we learned that in uh, elementary school. That's all of us. So never mind that Tony Fauci is the one who signed off on a grant for more than $827,000 to go to the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology, which you'll remember is how China was able to create COVID in the lab and release it into the world. And remember, you're a racist if you bring that up. And you're even worse if you bring up this little nugget from 2017, where Fauci seems to be keenly aware that the Trump administration would face a surprise, quote unquote, surprise outbreak leading to a pandemic. Remember this? The topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. The history of the last 32 years that I've been the director of NIAID will tell the next administration that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that they will be faced with the challenges that their predecessors were faced with. There's no doubt that they'll be, they'll be faced with a surprise pandemic. Well, if it's a surprise, how do you know about it now? How do you know that on January 11th, nine days before Trump was inaugurated, 
hmm, doesn't that seem peculiar to you? Maybe he knew because they were designing it in Wuhan. And never mind that Dr. Tony Fauci is the reason that we were forced to muzzle ourselves and our kids for two years, and sometimes still are. Have you been to your doctor's office lately? And never mind that our businesses were forced to close down because of this guy. And never mind that our kids lost more than a year of education because of him. And you know what? And and think about the repercussions of all this stuff. Um, the way you know we we taught people to stay home. We stop. We taught people to stay home uh, and not work. Uh, now people. Now so many people and many people that I know can't go back to work because they got out, they got out of practice of getting up in the morning and going to work. And you'll notice that um, there's a shortage of people to work. Period. Um, I have a house in Arizona. And I get a call from my uh, landscape, uh, my, my landscape people to tell me today that, oh, our landscapers are out. So they're not going to be at your house today. And that's the second week in a row. And she goes, I know we should have a second crew because when the one guy who's driving is, is out, then the other, the other two guys on the crew can't go. And then, of course, there's, a, um, there's people that don't go to work. There's the landscape people. Um, health, the healthcare, healthcare is, is pitiful right now. And most of that, most of that is from the changes of Obamacare. But now, now people are afraid to go. The you know the we scared healthcare workers into not going to work, and now you can't get anything done. Um, I can go. I'll go. I won't go into into that detail. But, uh, our house, we were up in our house in uh, in Bozeman, uh, Montana, uh, two weeks ago, and uh, we need to stop and get something at at the gro- at the drugstore. And uh, I said, okay, where's the nearest drugstore? CVS. And it's open 24 hours and we get there at uh, 630 in the evening and it's closed. It says it closed at six. I said, the big sign right outside says open 24 hours, but there's a, a paper sign on the door closes at six because they don't have people that'll go to work. It's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me. This is all repercussions from COVID. Well, we learned we could work from home. Now we don't want to go to work. It's pretty disgusting. The left loves to say Fauci didn't shut down the country, but he said it himself. Here he is taking credit for the shutdown in 2020. It was a decision to make a recommendation to the president. It wasn't my decision that I could implement. And when it became clear that when we had community spread in the country, I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. Yeah, he recommended it that we shut the country down. It wasn't his it wasn't his to do, but the the presidents the presidents listened to him. And if you'll remember, just so you know, all the all the while when we had a president with a brain, um, and I know that I know that uh, someone who tweeted me is going to say this guy's your idol. You know what? He's the first president that had has as much common sense to see what's going on. And I don't care if he's a narcissist, and I don't care. I don't really care if he tweets. I don't care about any of that stuff. We didn't we didn't elect him to date our daughters or to or to be the uh, pastor at our churches. We we elected him to run the country and he ran it how it's supposed to be ran. But you'll remember him. Uh, Trump always saying we have to get our economy back going. We have to keep we have to get our economy back back opened up. The the cure can't be worse than the than the uh, than the, the than the disease. Um, if you've been unfortunate to see him on TV lately. You may have noticed that Fauci is getting increasingly bitter towards America's attitude about him. You think it's about time he noticed. Uh, here he is with his number one fan, Rachel Maddow, on Monday night. A world of where untruths have almost become normalized, how we can see something 
in front of our very eyes and deny it's happening. I mean, that's the environment we're living in. You could look at January 6th on TV and you have some people who actually don't believe it happened. How could that possibly be? I will agree with him that we are living in a world of untruths. And how do you look at things Look at things and, and deny they're happening. You can look at January 6th. You can look at January 6th. You can also look at November 3rd of the of the previous year and and see what happened. We all went to bed and Trump was ahead in all those states. And we woke up five or six hours later and Trump was behind in most of the states or neck and neck with with all these absentee balance, ballots to uh, to count. We could see it, but deny it didn't ha- deny it happened. You know what? Say we're just in a world of untruths. We can see all this stuff going on. You can you can see the stuff that was going on with uh, Hunter Biden's laptop, and all of a sudden it just got swept under the rug. We had everything that that correspond, everything that that made that made sure that it looked like that Hunter Biden's laptop was was not disinformation. It was actual. We had we had Tony Bobolinsky come on and and testify in front of the in front. He did a press conference and and told everything that. He'd met with Biden. He did this. He did that. This is what these emails, what these emails meant. And he and he uh, and he and he released those. But we just looked at it and denied it happened. But you know, we'll 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 look at January sixth and say January sixth happened. We watched it, but we denied it happened. We're not denying that January sixth happened. We're denying that the fact that it was uh, Trump supporters that created it. You know, Trump supporters were there to to protest the uh, the election and the election being stolen. And then they brought in some uh, some FBI coordinated um, attacks, you know, throw in throw in a, a couple of dozen couple of dozen idiots uh, from Antifa, put a MAGA hat on them and have them start breaking the windows. We heard the videos, people say, no, 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 don't break windows. We're not. You heard the, the crowds of the Trump supporters acting acting uh, civilized. And saying no, 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 and you saw the videos of the of the Capitol Police letting people in, and they're walking in civilly, and they're they're walking in with their with their flags and all that stuff, and they're they're not they're not creating havoc, you know. Hey, the 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 Capitol Police is open there. We can look at that and just deny it happened. Yep, Tony Fauci, I will agree with you there. We are living in a world of untruths right now, and it's being perpetrated by the media that's trying to make it so. Fortunately, some of our leaders still plan to hold Fauci accountable as he attempts to ride off into the sunset. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. He thinks people that disagree with him are somehow beneath him, but his policies uh, were the driving force behind locking kids out of school in parts of this country for over a year, forcing them to wear masks for eight hours a day for two years. Dr. Fauci, retirement or not, is going to be spending a lot of time in front of a congressional committee. We're gonna ask him questions about gain-of-function research, why he didn't push back on China's lies, why he went along with the greatest dissipation, if that's the right word, greatest taking of civil liberties of the American people in the history of our country. We're gonna have a lot of questions and, and we're gonna subpoena him and expect him to answer. Yeah, I would, uh, I would hope that there's a uh... When the Republicans take back the the House and the Senate, that they hold accountability for lots of stuff, not just Fauci, but lots of stuff, the Hunter Biden stuff. And, you know, the Hunter Biden stuff doesn't interest me so much as as the Joe Biden stuff does, because the Hunter Biden laptop 
and the Hunter Biden, all the all this stuff that we tried to to uh, push as as an impeachment on Trump was really just him asking about a crime where Joe Biden extorted money out of the out of our taxpayer fund, gave it to Ukraine, and funneled it back into his family's bank accounts. And so th- this stuff is it's not about Hunter. It's about Joe Biden, that sprig of broccoli that's in the White House. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this uh, half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather and sports and commercials. And I'll be back with lots, lots more. You can say you know what happened. You can say that I was wrong. You can say. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Planet Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, it probably sounds boring. But if you are in the market or you think you might be in the market, if you, uh, if you have more debt than you'd like, but you have a ton of equity because everybody has a ton of equity now, or if you're over 62 and you think that you have more life left than you have money, would like to check out what your options are. If you're tired of California and you'd like to, to, uh, to get a piece of property outside uh, in one of, one of those other states where, where you might still be able to buy, uh, buy uh, gas-powered cars in uh, 2035, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo and do the cyber thing, and uh, we'll get you all fixed up. And uh, you know what? If you call, and and I, I, I'll tell you this, if you call, this is happening quite often these days. If you call and, and, I, and I just don't think it makes sense for you, I'll tell you. I did, uh, I've been doing that quite regularly these days. Hey, you know what? It doesn't make sense. I had a I had a guy yesterday who's got a million a million dollar loan on his house a million a million just a little over a million plus a HELOC a home equity line of credit for about ninety eight thousand so he owes about one point one and he needs about one hundred fifty thousand pay off some bills do some repairs to his house and just stick some money in the bank and his house is worth about two point three million and I just said I said you know what based on based on the number. He didn't remember what his interest rate was because he financed it in 2015. I said, based on your number, your your interest, your, your payment, and what your loan is, your your interest rate's about 2.875. And I said, I just don't think it makes any sense to refinance a million dollars worth of loan to to get out 150 thousand and raise the whole thing up to to five and a half percent. And it just just didn't make any sense. And I said, what I would do is call back your, your credit union where you have the HELOC and just increase your HELOC. And, uh, and let's deal with this in, in 18 months or two years when the rates come back down. So the, the prognosis for the future, what most of the rate gurus think is, uh, number one, the, the Fed will keep raising rates because they, they got to get the Fed funds rate uh, high enough to, to drop down inflation. And they're doing it fast now because they didn't do it a year ago because they were trying to tell everybody that Biden's policies weren't creating inflation. Oh, it's transitory. It won't do anything. So now they're, now they're way behind the curve. So they, they raise it up a half. They raise it up three quarters. They're going to raise it up another three quarters 
in September and probably again in November, maybe another half, but they're raising it up to slow down inflation. That will, that will slow things down, but it will also, you know, we're probably in a recession right now, but they just haven't admitted it yet. They'll probably admit it about midway through 23, at which time they'll say, hey, we got to do something about the recession and they'll start lowering rates. So, um, so the prognosis is we'll have another refinance run in uh, late 23, early 24. So will that happen? I don't know. My, uh, I, I asked my magic, I asked, I asked my, my crystal ball, which is about as accurate as my magic eight ball or flipping a coin. And it, uh, it says, uh, yeah, mm, uh, sure. Why not? So anyway, let's talk about what's going on this week. Let's talk about uh, after more than a year of pressure from the far left to forgive student loan debt in some form uh, before the midterms, Joe Biden has announced a federal student loan relief plan that's forgiving up to $20,000 for some borrowers. Here are the details announced Wednesday. Borrowers who hold loans with the Department of Education and make less than $125,000 a year, which is probably most college graduates because, they're, because they're, uh, their uh, degrees are worth nothing, they're eligible for up to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness if they obtained Pell Grants for college, which means they had low income, so they qualified for certain grants. So in other words, in other words, if you were low income, we gave you some free money. And then you borrowed more money so you could have, have more, more cash to spend on housing, you know, getting a nice shiny bong for your dorm room, and, uh, and to make sure you have cash for munchies when you get the munchies uh, when you're partying and, uh, and smoking weed. Individuals who, uh, so, so if you were low income, we're going to, we're going to give you more. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you got the grant plus you get the 10,000, you get $10,000 more because, uh, just because individuals who make less than 125 a year, but did not get Pell Grants are eligible for $10,000 in loan forgiveness. Undergraduate federal loan borrowers can cap their payments at 5% of their monthly income, which I'm not really sure what exactly kind of benefit that is supposed to be. Because as I look at, as I look at, and, and being in the mortgage business, I analyze people's finances every day, and the student loan student loan repayments. If you ignore the fact that no one's made any payments on them for three years, but even even under normal circumstances, the payments are so low on those things they're less than the interest charged, and then they have this thing called an IDR, income driven repayment plan. So if you owe two hundred thousand dollars of student loans. And you uh, and you just get out of medical school, and you're going to school, and you're making uh, sixty-seven thousand dollars a year as for your uh, residency, and uh, then you're uh, then you do the income-driven repayment plan, and instead of paying instead of paying you know on two hundred thousand dollars, one percent of that would be two thousand, but instead you'll be paying like uh, three hundred bucks. So, and sometimes and for some people, you don't have a payment due, so you could say, hey, I got out of college. I got this degree. It was worthless. Um, I'm working at McDonald's. I'm making, uh, I'm making, uh, $15 an hour. And, uh, and that's all I'm doing. I'm only working part-time. And then I spend the rest of the day watching the prices, right. Or, uh, or, uh, Oprah or whatever else is on in the middle of the day, Dr. Phil. And, uh, and this is how much I make. And they do the income driven repayment plan. You never have to pay those things back. So now you don't have to pay them back. Minus ten thousand bucks, and of course the White House is extending the pandemic era pause on student loan repayments one final time until December thirty first. My question to that is why they haven't been making payments for two years and nine months now. 
um, what's the point of extending it a little bit more? Oh, 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 I remember because they need, they need another win before the midterm elections. Get those, get those students who are over 18 that can vote or their parents to vote Democrat because they got four more months without having to make payments. Here's the announcement from the White House. Student loan payments pause is going to end. It's going to end December 30. I'm extending to December 31st, and it's going to end. We will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. In addition, students who come from low-income families, which allowed them to qualify to receive a Pell Grant, will have their debt reduced $20,000. Both of these targeted actions are for families who need it the most, working and middle-class people hit especially hard during the pandemic, making under $125,000 a year. You make more than that, you don't qualify. And again, I say, why extend the, why extend the payments? But I'll tell you something that no one's talking about on TV. The veterans are angry. Veterans are angry. I have a friend, uh, Nick, who's uh, 10, year, 10 years in the military, nine years overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, came home. Came home with all his limbs, looking uh, looking pretty, and now I taught him the loan business, and he's uh, he's a millionaire now. But uh, he he came home with skeletons in the closet. So uh, so every one of those military guys that went over there, even if they didn't come home missing limbs, those guys those guys paid a big price, and they deserve all the support we can give them. Um, but he said he sent me a text um, saying that uh, the military veterans feel feel like we got slapped in the face. There's a shortage. They said, he said, let me re- rephrase this. He goes, if you want student loan debt, join the military like I had to. All the military veterans feel like we're slapped in the face. There's a shortage right now, too, and hard to retain military. You want student loan relief? Fight for and work for it. Um, no one has no one has said a damn thing about that. If you join the military, they'll forgive your federal student loans. That's what I did when I was a kid. Uh, they should do it now. They should do it now if you want your loans forgiven. Join the military. Give something for it, not just a handout. So, uh, and if you're medically unable, join the Peace Corps. Uh, tough, you're medically unable. No money equals no handout. No, it says tough. If you're if you're medically unable, no money, no handout. So anyway, the the veterans are the veterans are are mad about this as they should be, as they should be. I think everybody should be mad about this because it's it's BS that they're doing this, and it's and it's just to get votes. And here's what here's what Biden said obvious follow up to questions from reporters. See if you can make sense of this. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who in fact uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses to see what these guys get more taxes? Is that fair? What do you think? I'm not exactly sure what he said, but he said Hey, is this is this unfair? The the reporter asked, "Is this unfair uh, for the people who paid off their student loans?" And he said, "Is it fair for people that don't own billion dollar corporations to see these guys get tax breaks?" Um, yeah, it is because those tax breaks are are uh, raises for all the employees. Those tax breaks are expansion for more jobs. The tax breaks to corporations are are stimulating the economy creating an environment where people can can pursue their own happiness 
And they're not, uh, you know, the government isn't in charge of employing people. They're in charge of creating an environment where the private sector can can employ people. So now let's look back on the speak on what the Speaker of the House said last year when asked for her opinion on the idea of the president canceling student debt. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. So if it has to be an act of Congress, how is this happening? Well, the answer is it's an executive action. It's an executive order from the president. And I understand the president has to have some powers to do executive orders when things are an emergency and they have to get taken care of. You know what? He, uh, you know, Trump did an executive order. Let's stop, stop uh, uh, flights in from China. Let's stop from these other countries. Let's stop the uh, people from coming in from uh, places where where uh, terrorists are coming in from. Let's stop where the let's stop people from coming in that are bringing in uh, the coronavirus. Let's stop. Let's let's take care of things that need to be stopped. Let's do an executive order to uh, to get countries uh, building uh, or to get companies building building uh, ventilators and and masks to to take care of the need uh, when we thought when we thought those were effective. So when it's an emergency, is this an emergency? Well, apparently the emergency is Biden's Biden's uh, poll numbers are way down, and if he doesn't do something, uh, the the Democrats are going to get going to get slaughtered in in November, which is probably going to happen anyway. So it's it's just ama- it's amazing that the laws and the rules for our government just go off the just go off the table depending on whatever the Democrats need. Um, okay, let's go on. Let's go on to uh, Mrs. Nancy, Mr. Nancy Pelosi. We've waited three months for Paul Pelosi to be sentenced by a Napa, Napa County court related to his May 28th arrest. You know, that one where he crashed his Porsche into a Jeep, totaled both vehicles, failed a field sobriety test, tried to get off by showing his CHP charity donor card. You know, that one. But at long last, Mr. Nancy Pelosi's day of reckoning has come. Sort of. Pelosi pleaded guilty on Tuesday to misdemeanor DUI charges through his attorney, of course, because once again, Paul Pelosi did not appear in court. I don't know. I haven't been to I have never had a DUI and I've never been uh, uh, I've never been arrested, um, but I've had a lot of traffic tickets. And uh, I just whenever I had to fight a fight a ticket or had to go to court for anything, I had to show up. And all my friends seemed to have to show up. How come Paul Pelosi didn't have to appear in court ever? The sentence was issued by Napa County Superior Court Judge Joseph Solga. Solga gave Pelosi a whopping five days in jail, which he won't serve since he already served two days, receiving good conduct credit for two more days. And a fifth day was was completed through the Napa County Court Work Program, which converts one day of jail into eight hours of community service. Says it was converted... So does that mean he doesn't have to stay in jail? He has to do eight hours of community service. And what is that community service going to be? Well, you're going to have to hire us, uh, hire us a landscaper to pull weeds in front of the uh, in front of the courthouse. Are we going to see 82 year old Paul Pelosi out on the side of the freeway making pumpkins? Uh, you know, uh, filling those orange trash bags. I want to see that one. Judge Solga dismissed the second DUI charge against Pelosi but ordered him to pay a fine of $1,723 plus, well, let's just start with the fine, $1,723 plus 
I think uh, the Pelosi's are multi-gazillionaires um, because of all their insider trading. $1,723, that's the court fine, plus $5,000 in victim restitution for the other driver's medical bills and lost wages. What about the insurance company's losses? Do you think it's fair that he doesn't have to pay anything and the insurance company uh, had to buy a new Jeep and had to, well, you know, I could see where the his insurance company has to buy him a new Porsche, but why is it fair that the other driver other driver's insurance company has to pay out all that stuff. They have to pay out to protect their, their insured. But if he's got to pay restitution, victim restitution for medical bills and lost wages, $5,000. Really? The judge also gave Pelosi three years probation, which includes an order to have certified ignition device. Are you drunk? No, I didn't have anything to drink. Go into this? Oh, Okay. <laughs> What is this? Um, the judge recommended I get one. Yeah, that's a little scene from uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, if you didn't recognize it. Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, uh, I'm drunk. Uh, are you drunk? No, I didn't have anything to drink. Okay, blow into this. So your car will turn on. So Pelosi will just have to make sure he has somebody with him. He's going to have to have a, a designated passenger that can blow into, let's say, a designated sober person with him so he can still drive drunk. Um, and it has to be installed on, on any vehicle he drives for the next year. The California DMV can also suspend Pelosi's license for a year. But I would bet they're not going to. The only satisfying thing about this is that we finally get to see the dash cam footage of Pelosi's arrest. And his exchange with the arresting officer is even worse than we imagined. Here's a little piece of it. Would you be willing to do the breathalyzer test? And I, I wouldn't want you to fall over and hurt yourself. You were involved in a crash. Right. I smell alcohol coming from your breath. I can see you're very unsteady on your feet. Uh, right, no, I yeah. understand who you are. And I'm not I'm not here to try to, to do anything uh, to draw any negative attention to you. Um, if you've been honest with me, there's really nothing that you should be worried about in terms of the alcohol you consume. Yeah, I've got some questions on that. So here's number one. Are you willing to take a field sobriety test? Wait, are you willing? Uh, I don't know. When I was 16 going through a driver's education, it was a uh, blood, breath, or urine. You don't have, you, you have a choice, but you, there's not whether or not you're willing. It's blood, breath, or urine. If you're not going to give them the breath and you're not going to give them the urine, they're going to stick a needle in your arm and pull the blood out. And of course, they waited two hours before they did, and he was still over the legal limit. And then the, then the next thing he says, well, I'm a high profile person. Well, you know, there's nothing to worry about if you've been honest with us, you know, and said, oh, I only had two drinks about two hours ago. Yeah, right. Pelosi and telling the truth is a, is a, is a oxymoron. And guess what? This isn't Paul Pelosi's first DUI, nor was it his worst DUI. And as it turns out, the now 82-year-old Pelosi was involved in a very serious accident back in 1957 when he was just 16. Young Paul Pelosi was driving his 19-year-old brother David in San Mateo, California, on a joyride in his sports car. He had just picked David up from his girlfriend's house. According to the San Francisco Examiner report at the time, the car veered across the road, bounced back from a small embankment, climbed up 20 feet up another, spun around, somersaulted simultaneously, and ended up upside down on the corner with both Utes underneath. Uh, uh, to what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? 
To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. Yeah, so uh, so both of the the two utes were underneath were were underneath the car. Uh, you know, today we would we wouldn't say uh, veered across the road, bounced back from a small embankment, climbed up Tony. We would say, hey, they they uh, they rolled their car. They rolled their car into a tumbling roll, and uh, and at the at the end, both utes were underneath. Paul told the CHP officer that his older brother had urged him to slow down in the moments before the crash. David was pronounced dead at Mills Memorial Hospital in San Mateo. Dead. He killed his brother driving drunk. You know what? This has to be an argument for whether rehabilitation is real. You know, do you... So this guy had a, had a drunk driving accident 66 years ago at 16 years old. You would think that would scar you for life. Did he just forget? You know what? If, if I had been in a drunk driving accident at age 16 and killed my brother, I probably would never get behind the wheel ever with any kind of alcohol in my, in my system. You know, and, and I think about what I did when I was in high school. Oh, wait, I wasn't old enough to, uh, to drink in high school. Uh, but, you know, when I was uh, younger is what I meant to say. Um, and I was drinking and I, and I look, back, look back on it now and I go, I go, man, I'm lucky to be alive. And, you know, as I've grown up and got mature, of course, I'm not quite 82 yet, but I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm almost 61. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm real careful before I get behind the, behind the wheel. And uh, if I've had a little bit of alcohol and so, but this guy killed his brother and he still thinks it's okay. And then he thought he could pull out his little CHP uh, charity card and uh, hand that to him and get out of it. You know what? There's, there's two sides to the law folks. And at some point, at some point, someone's going to get in, get in the leadership of our government and we're going to make this right. We're going to make it right about who, who has to obey laws. And we're going to make it right about uh, who screws the pooch on the, on the taxpayer fund. We're going to talk, talk about next week about all the people that uh, they're looking at that took PPP loans in the, in COVID. And if you haven't, uh, if you haven't read my book, I talk about it in pretty much detail. How much, how many people, how many gazillions of dollars that we just gave away that people cheated to get. And that goes back to the, 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 uh, the mortgage crisis in 2008 through 2010, 11, when people were short selling their houses illegally and just stealing money from our economy and screwing the banks and doing it, doing it illegally. I'll talk more about that next week. So, uh, so let's talk about one, one more thing before we finish up uh, codifying DACA while Americans are distracted by the, Biden administration shoving the Inflation Reduction Act and the student loan forgiveness down our throats, uh, there was one very quiet announcement this week related to immigration, but not one, of course, that has anything to do with protecting our borders, of course. Instead, the announcement is that the Department of Homeland Security under the Biden administration will codify the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program as a federal regulation. This means that more than 600,000 DREAMers who participate in the DACA program Migrants who arrived in the U.S. before age 16 will be able to live and work in the United States legally without fear of deportation. If they lived, if they lived continuously in the U.S. since 2007, comma, 
studied in a, in a U.S. school, comma, or served in the military and don't have serious criminal records. So that's one or the other. So if you served in the military, cool, you don't have to, you're, you don't have to worry about getting deported. But if you just lived here and just uh, stayed, on your stayed on your mom or your aunt's couch and smoked weed all day and uh, didn't have any serious criminal, criminal records, you know, you know, marijuana, that's not serious. Um, then you get to be, then you get, it's called amnesty, folks. It's called amnesty. It's not called, let's codify the DACA program. It's bull. Since we already have this, yes, but it wasn't codified into law. This means no more court challenges, no more two-year extensions. The rule will be effective starting October 31st. So far, hardly anyone is reporting on it. And maybe that's the way the administration wants it. But Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas gave CBS News this statement. Today, we are taking another step to do everything in our power to preserve and fortify DACA, an extraordinary program that has transformed the lives of so many dreamers. Thanks to DACA, we've been enriched by young people who contribute so much to our communities and our country. Yeah, I think young people from America do the same thing. And uh, maybe we should give some priority to the to the people here before we just start letting people from other countries come in and take advantage of, of uh, everything that we've uh, that we've worked for, paid taxes for, and our veterans have fought for. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, for this episode of uh, of my soapbox, the main event. Uh, my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.